Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are lucky to be sitting down today with a former Stanley Cup champion and a defenseman that you did not want to play against in the NHL. That is Brent Sopel. Brent, how's it going today? Uh, can't complain. I'm sure you don't want to listen to me to complain anyway. So, no, all is good. <laughs> well, I'm honored to have you on, obviously. Uh, I know you're very busy. You have the documentary coming out, which we'll touch on just a little bit. But uh, thanks very much for stopping by. No, I appreciate you having me. So i got to ask the question I ask every guest this, whether it be media member, hockey player, it doesn't matter. What struck the match for you? What started you out in hockey? So I'm, uh, you know, I'm Canadian from Saskatchewan, so I don't think I need to say anything else. I think that uh, speaks for itself. There's not much else going on in Saskatchewan in the wintertime. <laughs> so, get, so getting into the game, I guess, for yourself, what made you want to become a defenseman? Obviously, probably a lot of young guys listening right now thinking about what they want to do, whether they want to be a 4D goaltender. What puts you into that mindset of being a defender? You know, it's, uh, you know, at a young age, you know, I, I bounced around, uh, you know, every position and uh, even, you know, street hockey, I was, you know, always a goalie and, uh, you know, I just uh, tried every position and found what, uh, you know, what worked for me and what uh, what I enjoyed. You know, I I like the backside of it, uh, you know, being a demon, you can play, you know, you play more minutes, you can see the game uh, differently, uh, you know, being counted on a lot as the uh, last one back, um, you know, for the goaltender. Those are all things that, uh, you know, that I enjoy as part of the game, the, the extra pressure of, of being that last man back or, um, you know, and the, the winger, uh, you know, standing up there and covering your points, you know, uh, being more active. Well, that's just me. I enjoyed that. Uh, uh, you know, I was getting, and, you know, obviously my skating wasn't very good, so uh, that helped put me on defense too. No, definitely. Well, the, um, the NHL, obviously, from the time you came in to the time that you ended your career, has changed a whole bunch. What, what have you noticed, I guess, for, for defenders specifically, that has changed basically since you broke into the game and up until now with the way the game is played and just the, the hypersensitivity on the focus? Well, you know, go back to the lockout 2004-2005, obviously, you know, the rule change that, uh, you know, that, the rules that are you know, changed that occurred. You know, that changed the game, obviously not holding up um, uh, four checker, no water skin, you know, another clutch and grab, and they let that go. So that was the start of uh, of real change in the game. And, um, you know, there isn't a lot of physicality now. Um, you know, the game is a lot more uh, finesse, a lot more, you know, skating and, and skill uh, than it was when I first came to the league. Um, you know, I prefer the old style, you know, probably dinosaur or whatever. I just, you know, I, I like the battle where you had, you know, it was a war every night. And, uh, now I find it to be everybody's buddy-buddy, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of hitting, obviously, trying to take away fighting. Uh, it's just a completely different game, uh, you know, today than when I came in. Well, you use a uh, term used by uh, Paul Bissonnette, a lot of tummy sticks goes on nowadays. So it's uh, a lot of pats on the back. Yeah, big <laughs> So for you, you know, I, I, I fought my friends many times. You know, that's what you have to do. And nowadays, they, you know, they, you know, they'll share care sticks before they'll do anything. Yeah, well, they're autographing their cheddar sticks or taking pictures at center ice. And you know what? For the brothers, I understand. The Chuck brothers, maybe that's something special. Admit That doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, two brothers playing at the same time. But, you know, do it once and that's it. Don't make a scene out of it like Wes McCauley kept doing. But um, you're right. I, I like the older game, too. I like the the more physical game. 
Um, obviously, the skill level is raised up. But, I mean, these guys are getting the chance to do these things because no one's out there probably putting them down on their ass if they're doing something stupid. So now they're getting the opportunity to walk in. You look at Chris Pronger talking about William Nylander and pulling those moves in front of the goaltender. He said if it was back in my day, he would have got a two-hand on the wrist and never done it again. Oh, well, yeah, 100%. And then, you know, obviously he played against Pronger for, for years, and that's what it was. It was a war. And, uh, you know, again, you know, you go back to the Wilson hit, uh, uh, against Andy Sundstrom when he got 20, 25 games, yep. uh, you know, for him coming through the train tracks. You know, Sundstrom, I think that's how he pronounced his name. He should have got 25 front games for being stupid. You don't cut through the middle with your head down. I don't, there shouldn't have been any suspension. You know, you head down, but, you know, back in the day, you're, you're dead. Look at Scott Stevens. So, you know, I, I, I agree. I just, again, you know, um, I like the battle. I like the war. Um, you know, it brought a lot more intensity. You know, uh, you see a lot, a lot of no-hitting games there, not a lot of intensity, you know, like they used to be back in the day. No, definitely. And you talked about Scott Stevens. I looked at all his hits now, and if any of those happened in the NHL these days, he would be eliminated from the game. Rafi Torres t- size suspensions. I mean, you know, the ones on Korea, Lindros, you name it, all coming through the train tracks, and he just walloped them. And those were legal hits, but nowadays they're not. They're not legal hits. And, you know, you look at a lot of those hits, he's leading with the shoulder, throw, shoulder through the shoulder to the head. And, you know, it's not a head-on contact, but that's what they're deeming it now. Well, yeah, and, you know, what are you supposed to do when you stay with your head down? You know, you deserve to, uh, uh, you know, take it. So, you know, they talk about con- concussions and, you know, they're trying to take fighting away. Well, how many concussions are there in fight compared to, uh, you know, 30, you know, 30 hits, blind side hits? It's not even comparable, but, you know, I've never seen anybody get, get a concussion with their head up. No, it's a, usually a clean hit. The guy can brace for the impact, and away you go. But you're right, the guy's skating with their head down. You know, sometimes, like Kronger said, you got to put guys in check and let them know that you can't just take any liberty you want on the ice skating around. But you know what? The, the game has unfortunately changed to a less physical brand, and I think it's going to keep going that way. But i got to ask, I mean, you were drafted in 95, you know, six overall, or six rounds, sorry, 144th overall. What went through your mind in the draft? Obviously, you know, you look at players in the 6th, 7th round nowadays and not a lot of them make it, but you did and you made a long stretch of it. What set you apart from everybody else to get you into the league? Obviously, the physical part did, but what else brought Brent Sopel to the table? You know, um, the biggest thing is that, you know, uh, you know my skating, I was rated, you know, I think, earlier in the draft. I slid down and, you know, I've always, you know, I was always a kid that kind of, you know, had to prove you wrong and, you know, that was my mindset, but, uh, you know, uh, I've got a learning disorder, you know, dyslexia. You know, uh, I credit that to, to you know, making my career as long as I did. You know, I've always had to work harder than everybody. Um, I always had to work differently, and, you know, that was, you know, that was the difference. I always had to uh, work harder, and um, I wasn't going to let somebody come and uh, take my job. And, you know, you check on my documentary, you know, and it'll explain a lot of my life. You know, I played the game of hockey uh, you know, in fear, and, um, you know, there wasn't anything that was going to stop me from, you know, from playing. Well, we'll jump into the documentary here in just a couple of moments. Obviously, I want to talk to you about that. Um, but i got to ask you, obviously, you played on some great teams. You played for the Canucks, the Islanders, Kings, Blackhawks, and the Thrashers. And at the tail end of your career, the Canadians, i got to ask you, a lot of good players you've played with. Who was your favorite? And then on the flip side of that, who was one that just constantly may have rubbed you the wrong way that you wish you were on the other side of the ice you'd get a hold of? <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it all depends on what team. You know, you, you go back my days in, you know, in Vancouver. 
uh, you know, it was a war every night. You know, against Colorado, you go, you know, obviously, uh, Colorado was in a speed war incident. And, um, that was, there was always somebody, there was always that guy that played, played hard, you know, played that game. So, you go, guys, you know, a guy like Trump Mellonby, you go back far enough for, uh, you know, Lettman or Morrow in Dallas. So, so there was always guys that played that brand of hockey. It was hard nosed. You know, up and down, uh, never, you know, never let uh, hit go by. So, you know, those are the guys that, uh, you know, you wanted to get back at all the time, but then you go back to the skilled players or, you know, Peter Forsberg, he put my put me on my ass more than, you know, more than <laughs> I was on my skates during the game. So, um, you know, just incredible strength. They always counter hit me and, you know, staring at the ceiling tiles all the time. Well, you talk about Peter Forsberg and obviously the tree trunk legs and, you know, just the force that he was. Was there a player that you uh, – mixed it up with, whether it be fighting or even went for a hit, and you kind of bounced back and were like, okay, that guy was a lot more solid than I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, so funny story. So it was uh, in Vancouver, uh, hockey, uh, we were playing Pittsburgh, so Mario had just come back, and I think it was, uh, you know, on a rush, it was a uh, three-on-three. You know, I was a guy that talked a lot. You know, I was always communicating, you know, who had what, and, you know, uh, Mario turned out fire bet, and I'm like, oh, I've got Mario, and I went to, went to just kind of bump him. He laid me on my ass right in front of our bench, and our whole bench said, ah, look, you really got him, don't you? <laughs> uh, you know, so it was, uh, you know, I still think about that one, obviously, uh, you know, Mario, you know, what he would have done, you know, uh, with Gretzky's record, you know, if he you know, could stay healthy, you know, he uh, would have taken a run at those records. No, I definitely think Mario would have, and you're right, if he could have stayed healthy and not had the scare that he did too, I mean, he was just so dominant. Even that game, like, the first game he came back, I think it was against the Maple Leafs, and we're a Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so you watch that game, and he just dominated the Leafs pillar to post, and it was his first game back. Yeah, you know, he's coming back from cancer, you know, it looked like he never messed you know, mess with me, but, you know, you could put him on the goal line with, you know, two inches you know, off the goal line, and he's going to bury his top shelf. Like, you know, he was just a special, special player, and, you know, he, when he was uh, drafted, he got to Pittsburgh. You know, he only spoke French, barely spoke any English. So, um, obviously, he worked hard at his game, but he worked hard at, uh, you know, learning the language. And now, you, you know, you know, there's no accent there. There's no nothing there. So, you know, he's just a great man, you know, a great uh, ambassador for the game of hockey. Obviously, uh, what he's done for the game in Pittsburgh, uh, they helped get, you know, Malkin and, you know, Crosby. But, you know, the backbone of that is very no, it definitely is, and you know, Malcolm or not uh, Malcolm Lemieux playing with Crosby when he came in spoke volumes too. Brought that guy along and had him living at his house just to uh, to ease him into the league. Obviously, with all the stardom and stuff around Crosby, but we'll flip to the other side of the coin. Obviously, chirping in the league is, is something that's pretty big. Who was the uh, the biggest trash talker you met? Well, you know, there was you know back in the day there was trash talking, but it is you know wasn't the way it is now. You know, if you said something. And, you know, you had to, you know, you had to stand up. You know, um, they pissed somebody off. You did, you know, did something dirty. You're gonna pay for it. You're gonna have to drop the gloves to somebody. So there was always guys. You know, there's always guys that could trip. So uh, we're good. Uh, you know, Jerome Demo was always good. But again, at the same breath, you drop the gloves to be chill. You no problem. And nowadays, you, you know, you got guys that are gonna chirp, and you know, uh, guys got their chin straps so tight that uh, you know, chokes them half to death. You know, so that helmet doesn't come off. And, you know, it's uh, a little guy at the bar, you know, jumping over the pile, you know, yelling at, you know, at the other guys. So, you know, every team had guys that could do it. You, you got Steve Ott, you know, uh, 
coach, you know, and Shane Lewis is the coach. You know, he played the game hard, but, you know, he can shirk. But, you know, at the end of the day, he dropped the glove, too. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, if you're going to talk to talk, you got to walk to walk. And I think this season we've seen that with Zach Cassian and Chuck. You know, Chuck didn't want to drop the gloves with him, but he was good enough to chirp. So, you know, that's where Cassian was starting to get a little annoyed. And that's a little part of the game that we all got excited for, though, because you watch that little incident, and everybody talks about not wanting to have that in the game. But when that happened, everybody got excited about it. But, you know, I'll defend the both. Um, you know, obviously Cassian coming running down the way he did. You know, those, those are dirty. But, you know, it's, uh, so I understand, you know, Kachuk, he's not quite in that game, but all respect to him. The you know, next game they played, you know, he stood up and fought him. So, yep. uh, you know, on both sides of the coin, I'm, ha- I'm good with both of them, you know, on, on that. Now, if, if uh, you know, the next game he didn't fight, you know, Cassian, you know, I, I would definitely have an issue with it. But I'm okay with the, why he didn't. They were dirty running from the top, coming down below Adam, trying to catch him with his head down. You know, that's the... The intent to injure part that I don't know. If you, you know, you're playing the game hard and smart, you know, you're not coming running down at a guy like that. You're coming around the net with a D-man. So uh, those are those things that I don't like. But, again, uh, you know, fighting them the next game, stood up for him, uh, for himself. Uh, it was all good for me. Yeah, they walked away from that, I, I think, a lot better with each other after the second game. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about your playing career right now, Soaps, is uh, obviously you won the Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks, and what a moment it was, obviously, 73 games for regular season, 22 in the playoffs. I mean, that was a run to behold. What was it like to finally lift uh, Lord Stanley's mug? Well, you know, it's uh, been a statue in God's country. I, you know, I don't know how many millions of signs on the outdoor range, but um, – to be blessed by God to, to be able to win, win that Stanley Cup with some amazing guys that play in the NHL that are in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, never get a chance to, you know, to have their name on the cup and, you know, be a, be a part of something, you know, special and say that, uh, you, you know, you have your name in that Stanley Cup and you're, you're part of uh, hockey history. That's, you know, that's something special that uh, still to this day, some days, I, I, I really have a hard time believing that uh, that is for me. Well, that whole group there, I mean, speaks volumes, obviously, Taves and Kane and things like that. Um, you know, for you, who is the one that you think is the glue? Like, every team has that player that's the glue guy that gets everybody jammed together. Who was that on that run? Well, you know, you obviously, you got the, that group, but that group was something special. You know, um, that was the closest that group that, uh, you know, that we had, uh, I've ever been a part of. So, you know, we had some, you know, obviously, talk about Taves and Kane, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Hayes coming into the league, we're, just, we're known as, you know, Canada's hero. Um, you know, it's a purebred captain. You know, still, still young in, in that career. You know, we had John Madden, uh, you know, myself, and a couple older guys there. It was, you know, so it was a joint effort, you know, when some things need to be said. Uh, you know, Matt, you know, Matt said it, guys forever said, you know, I know uh, I piped up, uh, you know, after, in game six, after, you know, the third period, you know, I, you know, I said something before, you know, Kaner went and scored and we won the Cup. So, you know, it was it was a joint effort you know, by everybody. But like I said, it was the, the tightest knit group that you know, I have ever been a part of. Well, it was, it was definitely exciting to watch that. And then the elation on Patrick Kane's face when that goal went in was just amazing. And just the whole situation. And, you know, what a better way, right, just to win the Cup and – Celebrate it with the boys, and absolutely amazing to have that on the resume. A lot of guys don't get that. There's a lot of guys that go out of the league that don't get one. So I'm happy for you that you got one on you. And there's something special that's in the works, obviously. I know you're working on We touched on it a couple times. 
on July 23rd. You have a documentary coming out here to change the world. Uh, care to share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so uh, I started the, my foundation, the Brand Global Foundation, for, for dyslexia uh, three years ago. I found out 10 years ago I'm dyslexic. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, I go back referencing where I talked about playing in fear. You know, when you struggle at, uh, you know, simple things, it's just reading. I was reading at a grade four level in high school. Uh, I really, uh, it really took control of my life. You know, drugs and alcohol. So, you know, I'm coming public with uh, with a documentary to uh, talk about dyslexia. You know, dyslexia is one in five, and it's hereditary. So, um, I always compare autism is one in 65, and it's not hereditary. So, I'm telling my story, not for me, but for every kid out there that's struggling right now. Um, you know, dyslexia, what do you think of flipping your B's and D's? There's a heck of a lot more, and what it really is is, uh, you know, dyslexics don't have self-esteem. So um, I'm really, you know, telling my story. It's raw, um, not for me, but for every kid out there. Well, it's going to be great for people to watch that, and I obviously take something away from it. What would you say right now to a young guy or gal that is struggling with that and, you know, is looking for the light? Obviously, watch the documentary, but what would you recommend them do? What are some things that you do for coping mechanisms? You know, all I got to say is that you're not alone. You know, no matter what battle you're in, alcoholism, drug addiction, to depression, anxiety, you always think you're alone. But guess what? You're not. And that's why I'm telling my story. Um, you are not alone. Uh, you know, I've dealt with that. I deal with it every day. Uh, so never, never, you know, never think you're alone. You've got support in myself, my foundation, um, you know, what anybody needs. But just know that uh, you're not alone. That is absolutely amazing and a great message, and I hope everybody heeds something from that. So be sure to check out the documentary. It drops on July 23rd, and uh, obviously we want to make sure that we hear from you again, Brent Sopel, when everything's up and running with that. So uh, best of luck, my friend. Thank you for stopping by Offside. I appreciate having me. All right, sir. Take her easy. Yeah, you too. Take care. So as you heard, ladies and gentlemen, that is former Stanley Cup champion Brent Sopel. He played with the Blackhawks, the Vancouver Canucks, New York Islanders, Montreal Canadiens, LA Kings, and more. That is a man that you want to watch that documentary and make sure you take it all in. And like Brent said, you are not alone. So be sure to check out Soap's work. I appreciate you swinging by offside. Short but sweet and awesome. Take her easy.